Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you to the Purpose Unstoppable podcast, where we're encouraging you to step out to fulfill the calling and purpose God has placed upon your life. And we're doing it with boldness. My name is Tiffany Hill, you guys. And today we have a really good word from the Lord. We're talking about the return. But before we get into the word and before we go into prayer, can I say Happy New Year to everyone? Happy New Year. Happy 2020. May it be everything that God has ordained it to be for your life. May it manifest blessings after blessings upon blessings. And so I'm excited about this new year and I hope that you are as well. And so let us go into prayer so that we can get into the word. So Father God, we come before you today, Lord, just honoring you and thanking you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for just being in our very midst even today, Lord God. We thank you for even guiding us and leading us in the right directions, Father God. We thank you for the ones that you've led here to listen to this podcast, Father God. May it be a word that you have placed upon their heart that can resound upon their hearts and may their lives never be the same again. Lord, I thank you for this podcast and we we honor you and we we glorify you and we we ask that these words not be of me and speak through me, Lord. Let it be what your people need and what they need to hear. Lord, we love you again. We adore you. We worship you. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So today this word is a little bit different because I'm really going to really get into the word. And so today we're talking about the return and we're coming from Revelation 19. Now, we're talking about the return of Jesus Christ. This is not only talking about the return of Jesus Christ, but God is saying to us for you to return back to him. I was reading the book of Jonah just the other day with my, my family doing our um, family Bible study. And what God was revealing to me was the rerouting that he took, um, that took place in Jonah's life. So we know after, once we read the Bible, we kind of understand a little bit uh, about what I'm talking about. I'm coming from um, Jonah chapter one, where it tells us that Jonah refused to do what God had called him to do. He God wanted him to go to Nineveh to send out a message to his people. And Jonah refused because of fear. And so what we never want to do is allow fear to stop us, to prevent us, to paralyze us from doing what God has called and ordained you to do. Because there are somebody on the other side waiting to hear exactly what God has placed on the inside of you, that gift that God has given you. They are waiting to, to hear from you. And so we don't want to allow fear to paralyze us and stop us from moving in the direction that God has given us. We know that we don't have the spirit of fear, but we may have the emotion of fear. And that gives us that says we got power. You know, we have the authority to step over the emotion of fear and do exactly what God is calling us to do. And so what God here is saying to us, Jonah was fearful. But so since he became fearful, guess what he did? He turned away from God, going into the opposite direction than rather than staying in the will of God for his life. So when Jonah began to go in the opposite direction, going in the way that he wanted to go, he chose the path for his life rather than the path that God set before him. So we know when he decided to choose the path for his life, Jonah didn't have to experience all of the turmoil that he experienced. We know, um, just to recap it, he actually got on a boat. And on this boat, there were other people on the boat. They literally almost died because Jonah was on the boat outside of the will of God and God sent a storm their way. And so the captain even on the ship was wondering, and the people on the ship are wondering, where is this storm coming from? 
They even had to release everything off the ship so the ship wouldn't tilt over and they wouldn't go over into the water. They found out the reason why all of this stuff was happening was because Jonah was on the boat. See, when you go outside of the will of God, when you're not returning back to God and you're not on the right path that God has set before you, the people around you, even in your household, can be affected by your decision. These people had nothing to do with Jonah's decision about going in the wrong direction. But yet it affected the people on the boat. Everybody on the boat was affected. But once Jonah got off of the boat, the storm stopped. He didn't have to go through this long journey if he would have just stayed in the will of God. And what God is saying to you on today is this. Look, he wants you to stay on the path that he has set before you. And if you're not on the path that God has set before you, guess what he's saying to you today? He wants you to return back to him. Jonah eventually returned back to God, but he didn't have to go down the road that was in the opposite direction of what God was taking him to. He didn't have to do that. He chose the road because of fear. The the different the thing in this is, which road are you on currently? Where God is actually calling you back to return to him. What road are you on? Some of you are even in situations, maybe you're on in the will of God. But maybe you're facing opposition. Opposition from the, the people who are closest to you. And you want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. You want to stop going in the direction that God is calling you to. You want to stop because it's tough. It's difficult. But God is still calling you to keep going. Don't stop. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing towards the thing that God has called you to do. You're not alone. God is always with you. And so how do we know we're on the right road, the right path that God has set before us? First of all, in scripture, we find that there is only two roads. One road is water. The wide road, everybody's on that road. Everybody's chilling. Everybody's partying. It's crowded. It's a lot of people on that road. It's comfortable. People don't, you know, they want to stay doing what they've been doing. They want to stay in the cycle, the, the, the routine of life. Everybody is on that wide road. That wide road represents the world. That is the way in which God does not want us to go into. But then there's another road. This road is narrow. This road is the path that God has set before you. This road is following Jesus Christ. No matter the circumstances, no matter the things that you see in front of you, you're still believing God. Many people don't go on this road. Many of your friends are like, you know, I'd rather not. Sometimes this is a lonely road. Yes, you're going to face opposition on the narrow road because the enemy don't want you to get to what God has for you. God placed something on the inside of you. And in order to get it out of you, you got to keep going. You can't stop. The devil will oppose you because he knows if you get to it, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Why wouldn't he stop you? Why wouldn't he prevent you from moving forward? Why you got all this stuff going on in your life? People are coming up against you. You're facing opposition. You're facing it for a reason. It's lonely following this road, the narrow path, but you got to go. On the wide road, Jonah was not even at peace. He lost his peace. But on the narrow road, at least you have the peace of God. This The narrow road might be uncomfortable, but you're following Jesus, doing what Jesus is telling you to do, doing what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. 
So we continue on the, the narrow path with God. And so in this particular chapter, what we're talking about is the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is returning. But notice in this chapter that the first time that Jesus came in the earth, when he walked the earth, he came and he was humble. He was meek. The Sadducees and the Pharisees really wasn't taking him seriously. He was more like a lamb. But now he is coming back. The second time he's coming back, he's coming back different. He's coming in as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is not playing any games when he come back. So the three things that John is telling us in this particular chapter while he's on the island of Patmos, seeing, having a vision, God is giving him a vision of what is taking place. And so the three things that John is telling us between these, this chapter, actually I'm coming from verse 11 through 21. He tells us who's returning. He also tells us how he who's returning looks. And then he tells us the results of his return. Now, John tells us he looked up in the sky or in heaven. Heaven in Greek means sky. He looked up. He seen a white horse. And the one sitting on the right horse was referred to as faithful and true. And the one who judges righteously, judges fairly. So we know God to be faithful and true. Even in our lives, we can depend on God. We know that God is faithful. We know that he watches over his word to perform it. And everything that God has told you, everything God has placed on the inside of you to, to fulfill in the earth, the promises that he's given you before the, even the foundations of this world, before he placed you in your mother's womb, we know the promises of God are yes and amen. But how do you get your promise? You don't get it by sitting down. You don't get it by going in the wrong direction. You get it by following Jesus. The promise is already yours. What God has promised you is yours already. But we get it by doing something about it. We got to get up. We have to keep going. We have to keep pressing in. So I want to remind you in Numbers 23 verse 19 it says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a man, a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? He, he's faithful to us. He's faithful in your situation. No matter the circumstances that you may be facing right now, he's still faithful. And so he said he judges fairly. Isn't it good that we have a just God? A God who judges fairly on our behalf? That God can see the heart, your, the, your heart? He doesn't look on the outside of, of who you are, of what people have even said about you. But God looks at your heart and he knows you better than you know yourself. And so when he judges, he's looking at the situation. He examines our soul. We don't examine. He's examining it. And so John, what he did was he recognized Jesus Christ was sitting, riding on his white horse. God recognizes you and he knows you. He knows your name. He created you. He recognizes you. And so God, just like Jesus is returning, God said he knows who you are. He recognizes you. You are his child. And he's saying, return back to him. Get off of the road on your own road and get on the correct road. And so between verses 12 and 16, we're talking about what he looks like. John gives us a very vivid description of what Jesus looks like on this white horse. He said that his, and I'm going to actually read it out. He says his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. 
He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from the winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now what John is telling us here is when he talked about flames of fire, his eyes were like flames of fire. It was similar to flames of fire. He didn't say it was fire. He said it looked like fire. And so what he was describing, it was the character of a fire. It was what the fire is doing when it's moving. That's what John was explaining to us. So when he looked at Jesus, he seen the flames of fire, the flames of fire, which is the best description that John could actually give us in a vision. But since we're talking about fire, I want to point out three different things that the fire of God does. The one thing is that when you think about fire, you think I, my mind automatically goes to a um, a fireplace. The, when you look at the fireplace, the fire is beautiful. Even if you're standing at a distance, it's beautiful and it lures you in. It's beautiful. But when you think about it, when it when it when you're cool when you want to sit by the fire to warm you up i mean don't you feel like it's a draw it's a drawing it's a drawing it's drawing you in so that and it draws you to the love of the the heat the love of the fire look god loves us the fire also represents the love of god within our lives god loves you with an unconditional love he doesn't want you to be on the wrong path he wants you to be on the right path so he's saying return. He still loves you, but he don't he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay in the in the condition that you're in. He loves you with an unconditional love, and that unconditional love is without conditions. That means you don't have to do anything to receive the love of God. He loves you in spite of the things that you do. He still loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And so the fire lures us in to his love that he shows us. Also, we notice in scripture that the fire talks about two different things. It talks about the purification and it also talks about judgment. But let's get into this a little bit closer. And so purification, what we know is when the fire comes to purify us, it's a cleansing. And so what is God cleansing us of? The things that are not like him. But how does he do? How does he do that? First of all, you have to confess what you've done. Ask God for forgiveness and then he comes in to clean you up of all unrighteousness. You're not cleaning yourself up, but God is cleaning you up. But first of all, you have to come to God, lay everything down upon him and let him know, look, I'm dealing with this thing. I'm on the wrong path. I'm on the wrong road. And so we want God to purify our hearts and bring the fire to clean us up of all unrighteousness. And so another thing that the fire does, it brings judgment. But the fire comes to bring judgment when we're unwilling to let those things go. You don't want to admit it. You don't want to bring it up to God. So the fire has to come down. But when he judges us, the judgment is never against us. It's always for us because God doesn't want you to stay in your situation. He always wants you to rise. He always wants you to rise higher in him. And so one thing we see Notice in this particular section of the scripture that he was wearing many crowns. Can you imagine Jesus riding on a white horse wearing many crowns? He 
was wearing many crowns because it represented every nation in the world. He has authority over everything. How can we come against God Almighty? How can we come against him? When he has authority, when he has control over everything, he it those crowns represented his sovereignty. That means God can do whatever he wants to do in your life, no matter how anybody feels about it. He can do whatever he wants to do in your life, to change your life, to transform your life. They also said that he had a secret name on him. Jesus has a secret name. And, and during my study, I noticed that in ancient times that when someone knew the name of a person, that meant that they had authority over that person. Nobody has authority over Jesus. Nobody has authority over him. He is God Almighty. And so he also said that his robe was dipped in blood. Why was his robe dipped in blood? This was the blood of his enemies. How can you become an enemy of God? In James 4 and 4, it tells us that you become an enemy of God when you are worshiping the things of this world. When you're in the world, you become an enemy of God, going against the will of God for your life, refusing to follow Jesus Christ, refusing to go through the path that he's calling you to. And this is why God is saying, look, I want you to return back to me, return back to me, include God in your finances, return back to me, include God into your life, return back to me, include him even in your household with your kids. Are you inviting Jesus in your household, spending time with him, even with your children, teaching them about the word of God? You're not only, you know, we don't, we're following Jesus, yes, because this is the what we supposed to do. Are you setting an example for your children's children's children? And so we're following Jesus. We don't want to be an enemy being a friend of this world, but we want to follow Jesus. We don't want to be an enemy of God. We don't want to go down the wrong world. We want to return back to Jesus. And so it also said his title was that he was the word of God. Look, let's go to John chapter one, verses one through five. And it tells us in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish itself. He is the word. He is the word. He said from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13 tells us, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desire. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Are we being accountable to God? God can see everything that we do. We can't hide anything from God. Nothing can be hidden from him. And so are we even in the word of God so that we can begin to speak the word of God over our lives? So God is saying, as a result of his return between verses 17 and 19, it says that he's coming back. And what he's coming back to do is he's coming back to interrupt and overthrow a battle. God can interrupt your life. This message is a call to return back to him. God wants to interrupt your life to let you know this is the way you should go his way. That's the path that you should go. It's not in the opposite direction. It's not the path that you choose to take. 
And so this battle that he's coming to overthrow, it's the battle of Armageddon. It's the battle between good and evil. Are we choosing good or evil? Are we choosing God or Satan? It's no in-between because, first of all, if you're in-between, that's the most dangerous place that you could ever be in because you haven't even made a choice. That means you're lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. So God is saying, return back to him. And this battle that he's coming into, he's coming to destroy these people who are against him and what these armies have the demons have convinced these armies to come up against jesus wait a minute you coming up against jesus you know you're going to lose the fight the fight is not even yours you're going to lose the fight so they're coming up against jesus and jesus is going to destroy them completely by the word of god sword and then they're going to all fall and what's going to happen to the enemies of god is that He's going to call in vultures, birds to come and eat their flesh. We don't want to be an enemy of God. We want to return back to God and be in a place in which God has called us to. And so what's going to happen, it mentions the beast and the false prophets, which what's going to happen to them is he's going to put them in the fire, the pit of fire. And so what God is saying to us, look, return back to him. Because guess who's returning? Jesus is returning. He's not going to be delayed. He's not going to be late, but he's returning. And when he returns, he wants each and every one of us to be ready. But will he find you ready? Will he find you on the right path? Will he find you doing what he's called you to do? Going in the direction that he's telling you to go in? Or will he find you doing what you want to do? God loves you so much, and he doesn't want you to stay in the condition that you're in. He's saying for you to return, return back to God. So you guys, I pray that this message was helpful to you on today and I pray that it inspired you and encouraged you. I love you, but guess what? Jesus Christ loves you so much more. I want you to go out and inspire the world around you to be purpose unstoppable.